0: Samuel cuts it back. Ohio State wins. I put my heart in this game. Let's go, man. That is as good as it gets. I represent me in this issue. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Really on the field and touchdown is confirmed. Fourth and two now. You've got to get two yards. I don't know. I don't think so. No way. Kentucky.
1: All right, welcome to the Peace of Mind Podcast. This is Kevin Jackson. I'm with AJ Nance at Peace of Mind 615 on Twitter and Instagram. Make sure you reach out to us. Uh, rate, review, subscribe to uh, the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, we got a spe- special episode for you tonight with a um, NFC Championship, AFC Championship
0: breakdown. AJ, what do we got going on for him tonight? I think we're going to dive in, like you said, dive into the, that Saints-Rams game. Also, the, the Patriots-Chiefs game course, we're going to come back in. we've got a great topic for you again today for the Mount Rushmore for this week, it, as well as just some quick hitters of some news and noteworthy things going on in, in football around the around the world. And then um, you guys, are, we're always in for a sweet treat somewhere. So I'm sure we'll we'll get off topic one way or another and, and touch on some other things. But I think we've got a pretty solid show for today. Cool. Um, what are you drinking? Are you drinking tonight? You got any bourbon? Drinking tonight. Um, I went with Rock Hill Farms tonight. Just something just had not had it in a while sitting in my cabinet so I figured I'd, I'd dust it off and have that for today. Nice. What about you? Never had it. I got a little eagle
1: rare 10 year nice, part of the Buffalo nice. Trace collection. Yeah, it's kind of my uh my new little favorite. It's it's a solid one. Every every time I have it it's a solid. Yeah, one. it's good. It's really good. <laughs> All right, so let's get into it. First game of the night. NFC uh, NFC Championship game. We've got the LA Rams playing at the New Orleans
0: Saints. LA Rams come out. You. What do you mean? Calling them LA? LA? Yeah. Oh yeah. I'd thought, still probably say Saint Louis if you wouldn't had said LA first. So. Well, I've got an interesting question for you tonight. <laughs> I saw saw this on Twitter, and
1: are are Saint Louis fans happy
0: tonight? Um, I don't. I think think so. Genuinely? Like, I, I I can't see how you would be because you, I mean, every time that team does something well, you're looking at it saying they should be here doing that. Right. Right.
1: So I I don't know. I any Saint Louis. Listeners out there, leave a comment or something. Let us know if you're if you're feeling uh, <laughs> upset about the uh, the Rams winning the NFC Championship in dramatic fashion over the Saints, 26-23 in overtime. Uh, it's a heck of a game. Truly turned out to be a defensive stalemate compared to their first game. Um, it's a rematch from their uh, November 4th meeting, where the Saints pulled out a 45-35 victory and truly an offensive showcase where you had. Um, Drew Brees throwing for 346 yards and four touchdowns. We had Goff going off for 391 and three touchdowns. Over 700 yards of passing. Kamara and Gurley both go off for uh, three touchdowns. Michael Thomas has 211 yards and a touchdown. None of that was really indicative (laughs) of what happened tonight. None of that. (laughs) No, it was was truly a defensive uh, battle. Initial thoughts. Uh, I know that the hot topic, the controversial call the referees decided to not call a pass interference at the end of the game after Tekken jr comes up with his longest catch of the season right at the end of the game with about a minute 50 seconds left and um then two plays later la rams just make a horrible play on defense
0: and some uh, some would say others would say it's a great play i don't know yeah (laughs) i mean so if it doesn't get called is it is it still
1: horrible yeah so um we had the wheel route coming out of the backfield, and uh, the linebacker covering the wheel route just takes out the receiver before the ball got there before the ball gets there, and uh referees swallow the whistle, don't call the play, game ends up going to overtime, and the Rams pull it out.
0: I am normally in the the boat of let them play, let the players decide the game. Close calls, swallow your swallow your whistle. But in that in that case, like that's just that's 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 pathetic. You've got to call that call, you know. And and I hate late flags or flags where you know there's contact and he may not initially saw it, but then it's like oh he was reaching for it kind of thing. You got to throw that flag. I no, mean, you, you've got to call it. You have to. And and I don't think it does the game any good. I mean, this is these are probably the two most important games of your season outside of the Super Bowl and. You would think that you have the best set of officials that you could possibly have officiating this game. And if you don't throw that flag there, what what does it say about your 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 league, like what you're putting on the field, right? Yeah, well, so I said linebacker,
1: but it's cornerback. Is it Nickel? Nickel, Ruby Coleman? Ruby, yeah. And so he he's the one that gets the, the pass interference – or he doesn't get the pass interference on the helmet-to-helmet hit with uh, Tommy Lee Lewis after the game in the in the locker room he does an interview and he admits that he thought it was going to be a pass interference call because he and they asked why so why is this going to be a pass interference call and he says well because I didn't play the ball and so he says I didn't play the ball and then I made contact with a with a player and then I heard the crowd erupt and I thought oh man this is gonna be this is going to be a pass interference call so he gets up looks at the referee the referee calls incomplete pass and he's like oh thank you thank you so much
0: for not calling this because he knew he knew it was a pass interference call well, if you look at if you look at the play like um when they were showing the replay, like he makes that contact and he almost pulls up and like goes to put his hands on his head to be like, Oh no, oh no, like what did I do? kind of thing. Like he knew it was coming. Yeah. And and for it not to get called, I, it's tough not to call that anywhere, but like not getting it at home in this type of game, yeah, oh, ah man, that's it's just a bad it's a bad look for the league, in my opinion, because you got two teams that like you said it wasn't it wasn't like the matchup from earlier in the season but it was a a good matchup and you got two teams like laying it all on the line there and for an officiating error or miss call to pretty much dictate that um i mean it kind of sucked yeah i thought
1: it was uh, i thought it was a really good physical matchup and you mentioned the referees and it'll be interesting to see if any kind of changes come about to either a, the, the review process, whether passing interference calls can be reviewed, mm-hmm. or B, some kind of accountability for the officials. But, I mean, even Drew Brees, here's a quote from Drew Brees. Uh, he says, being that it happened right there in front of the person who would be the one to make the call, and everyone in the stand saw it, everyone watching at home on TV saw it, that makes it even more difficult to take. Because of this, I'm sure there will be a lot of talk about reviewing penalties, perhaps game-changing penalties. I mean, that, and it's that's truly what it was. I mean, that's – the Rams are playing in the Super Bowl because of that call. Now, granted, you can't tell. I mean, the, pro- right. the the statistics say that they would probably score at the end of the game. They would run the clock down to four seconds, as Troy Aikman mentioned on the broadcast. Right. They're going to run it down. They'll kick the field goal. Now, granted. Bad snap. Missed the kick. Something happened. I get it. But probably,
0: right. Saints are going to the, the Super Bowl. Right, right. And it's tough playing – like you said, it's tough playing that probably an assumption game, but I mean, you got to feel that, um, if you get that call there, they got a pretty good chance at winning. Yeah. Um, it's something that's so obvious. Right. Right. It's, you know, if you, if you've got a ticky tack one here and there or a defensive hold, or something, that's very, I, I would say judgmental call. Yes. Maybe I can understand, but that one's just, it's so blatant. You It has to be called for the purity of the game. It's got to get called, but, to that same point, one of the things that really stood out to me early was the Saints left a lot of points on the board early. I mean, they had a yeah. great first opening drive, didn't score, had to kick a field goal. You get the, you get the interception inside the 25, the next possession, and you don't score. Right. And then they get the ball back. I think it was either right at the beginning of the second quarter or somewhere in there, and they score to make it. 13 um, 0. Yeah, but was, yep. if you put even that was right even, after the punt, one, yeah, but if you put one of those in the end zone and the score is 17 0, that's a whole different, it's a whole different layout, a whole different feel for the game than 13 0. Yep. And you mentioned that a lot of credit, a lot of credit
1: goes to Sean McVay and his specialty coordinator for calling that fake punt.
0: That was huge. I mean, it was, um, I mean, can, what,
1: like you mentioned, it, if he knew that the game was in, hanging in the balance, because if it gets to twenty to zero, the game's over. Oh yeah. And so he knew, he calls the fake punt where they convert on their own side of the field. That's
0: what I was about to say. They
1: were they were inside their own what yeah. forty. That's a gutsy that. that's a gutsy call. So when just reflecting on that call right there, it kind of you know it's just wow like you had the you had the balls to make that call. And they, and that kind of puts you in the position to to feel good about a win like hey we you know we actually did go out there and kind of manufacture our way back into that game
0: right and and what they ended up getting three on that drive like after getting uh yeah after getting a fake point so i mean it was something it's just something to spark your team because at that point in time yeah like to, like you said like they i mean they didn't have much going for them offense wasn't moving the ball wasn't get first downs they didn't have much going for them and the Saints were clicking but i thought it was that like not only was it a great call, but the execution-wise, like the punter put it on the money, and Sam Shields, to his credit, he plays DB. You know, there's always a joke that DBs can't catch, but Sam Shields runs a good route, comes back to the ball, catches you, it, and catches it short of the line. Yeah, I he thought he, up.
1: I thought he came too far back.
0: Yeah, and then that makes a tackle. He's short. He was short by about two yards when he caught it. But like I said, to their credit, I thought the execution was great, and I'm, um, you know they say this a lot and I feel like it's, it holds true football is 100% a uh, game of momentum in my mind and it, the little things end up mattering so we left points on the board we were settling for threes instead of six or seven and it we're up on our opponent we're suffocating them at the moment but okay boom they just got a little bit of some life on that point and then they go down to get a field goal so now it's a seven point game or now it's a, excuse me a 10 point game it's like all right we're on the board like we're not going to get shut out now let's Let's work on the next one. We get a stop. Let's then let's score again, and yeah. that's all it took to get that ball rolling.
1: And it really does turn out that way because when you look at the when you look at the box score, it's it's looking like what's the score at halftime? Thirteen to 13 10. ten. You mm-hmm. know, it, they race off to thirteen nothing. The the Saints do, and then L.A. comes out and makes it thirteen ten at the half. And it really makes a game of it. It kind of cements themselves into the game. Right. Right. They, they really had to fight and claw. I saw that at halftime. Jared Goff had said, you know, we took New Orleans' best punch, and we're still standing. We're here. Like, we really? feeling pretty good. And they had to fight that crowd the whole game, which credit to New Orleans because they were unbelievable. Those fans were incredible the entire game. And Sean McVay came out and said, you know what? The, the crowd's not going to be a factor because fans can't maintain that level of intensity for that long. <laughs> And I thought it's in the fourth quarter and this place is going nuts. Like Listen, they were fantastic.
0: Louisiana people are not the same creatures as the other 49 states. And we talked about this last show, talking about Death Valley and how loud it is there, but for the saints, and I feel like the saints represent something a little bit more for that city. So it's even more amplified when they play and Like, for him to think that they couldn't keep that up for four quarters was insane because these people literally live and breathe the Saints down there. And, I mean, like you said, they understand their responsibility to the team as fans. It's like they know they're presenting an edge for their team.
1: Yep, yep. And with that being said, you know, we talk about the controversial call. And it really should have put the Saints in in a position to win the game. But uh, I think watching this whole game, it just – the Saints were not clicking in the way that we expected them to after Michael Thomas comes out with the 170 plus yard game and the two touchdowns against the Eagles, I think he had 12 catches, 12 catches was very much so a non-factor only finished with four catches and 36 yards. Granted, what's this? uh, Nine different players caught a pass for new Orleans, but it ends up being Alvin Kamara with 11 11. catches. Yeah. 11 catches for 96 yards and they just couldn't get him going to the run game. He only, he only had 15 yards rushing. So they had to really find ways to get him the ball, and just the way that they were taking Breeze out and putting Taysom Hill in, yeah, at weird points in the drive, it just it seemed like they were trying really hard to get points going. And and credit to the Rams because they made they made the sledging really tough for New Orleans.
0: Well, and I, I mean you've talked off off wax a lot about this, but you know don't overcomplicate things. And to your point, the Taysom Hill thing, why? We're clicking. We're moving the ball downfield. Like, why Why put him in here? And I know they've done it throughout the year. And he's a good player. That, yeah. And no, he, ends no, up, like, he ends up catching touchdown pass. But, like, right. do do we really need to take Drew Brees out
1: and put him in at quarterback?
0: I, I just don't – if you've got this elite legendary guy on your team, I mean, you think about – we'll talk about it the next game. But the Patriots weren't lining anybody else up at quarterback. Like, oh, now, know. he he may have handed the ball off. He may have, you know – Quarterbacks ran a quarterback sneak itself or whatever, but Tom Brady touched the ball every single play. And when you got a guy of that caliber, you don't don't make the game harder than it needs to be. I've got the best player on the field, or the one of the I, one of the two best weapons on the field. I'm going to get that guy the ball. And on the flip side, you you know we talk about stats, and we're you know I feel like we're saying a lot about the Saints, but credit to the Rams because if I were to tell you yesterday that. The Rams would, or excuse me, Todd Gurley would have one catch for three yards, and he'd have four carries for 10 yards. There's no way you would have told me that the Rams were winning this game. Right. And right. so cre- credit to them that they were able, I mean, that's, th- we talked about the best players in the game. Like, that's the reigning offensive MVP, and again, one of the best two players in the game, and he's completely taken out of this game, and you still find a way to win. That's That's impressive.
1: Right, and what did you mention earlier, the difference in this game is that um, New Orleans' ability to put Kamara into the pl- into the game plan versus L.A. not being able to get Gurley in there. Now, Gurley did get into the end zone on the, on the short run where Kamara never did get into the end zone, but you just saw in key situations, especially in the second half, I think the opening drive, he had, I think, four catches.
0: Oh, yeah, and and all they were doing were isolating him on uh, – is it Littleton? The, the linebacker for the Rams, all he yeah. did was isolate him and give him a choice route where he could run, you know, a five-yard in-cut or an out-cut. And, and Drew Brees was just waiting for the receivers to clear, and then Kamara just run his little route uh, underneath it. But, I mean, my God, they they moved the ball up and down the field like it was no problem because they were just exploiting that matchup. Right. Um, and you just felt, I mean, for me, watching the game as somebody who doesn't have – any any coins in the game you just felt like the saints had found something that they were going to continue to go to the well and pick on because it didn't seem like the rams had had a solution for for putting kamara into the passing round but with that being said i i do tip my hat to the rams because not only did their defense come up huge in in keeping new orleans out of the end zone but when they needed plays their offense found ways to make plays right and so at the end of the day, I thought this was a
1: just a brilliant chess match, heavyweight bout where two teams who were super talented, obviously the two best teams in their conference, going back and forth, and you know the Saints utilizing the crowd, coming out fast, but New Orleans or um, L.A. with their strength in the defense holding New Orleans to the two field goals, and then bouncing back, and then right outside of halftime. L.A. has forced a punt, mm-hmm. and then New Orleans goes down and scores a touchdown, and you're thinking, oh, okay, okay. So they found something here with Kamara isolating him, and then all of a sudden L.A. makes the adjustment, and they start getting pressure on Breeze with that great defensive line. Yep. And then you just, you just saw back and forth the strengths of both teams getting after it for it to come down at the end of the game, and Drew Breeze, who's you know, one of your league stars, makes a great throw. And well, you can argue great throw I mean, maybe under underthrew it a little bit, but Game <laughs> junior the ve- the veteran he makes it goes catch. up and got it he goes up and gets it and mm-hmm. and then it just it gets robbed from all of us, not just the saints, but it gets robbed from all of us that Twitter blew up it blew up everybody in the world i mean apparently even the 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 n f
0: l is admitting that they blew the call right and and you gotta feel bad for drew Brees, you know it's a guy while playing at. Still, a, a very high level. I mean, it gets frozen.
1: There's not too many chances left.
0: Yeah, yeah, I was about to say it's not. I don't think I'm going out on ledge saying that he, he's playing against borrowed time now. And you pointed it out earlier, but ha, ha, has a team in recent history had to end their season two consecutive years harder than the Saints have? Hard. I mean, it's, it's just there's only so much you can come back from. Uh, it, it just hurts, and it's and it's one of those things of, I mean is it is it still because any i mean only one team gets to raise the trophy right at the end of the year so and i think that even if you look at the four teams that were in playoff sunday i think uh, if we're being honest there's only one team playing on or the, on this weekend that can honestly say that they start the season championship or bust right and that's that's the patriots with realistic with realistic, I mean, everybody starts the season saying championship or bust. And I would say like
1: the New Orleans Saints, like they're probably thinking at the beginning of the season, we we hope to win the Super Bowl. Whereas New Orle or New England is saying not nah, like if we like not joking, if yeah, we, don't, like, if we don't win it. We're disappointed. Not like we hope to be there. Not like if we do that. Like, no, we're going to be there.
0: Right. You know, is it is it that thing of like, hell, I'd rather just not make it then go and get my heart broken twice in a row. That's that's tough.
1: That's yeah. tough. I honestly, my my first reaction when I saw that <laughs> when I saw that pass interference call was that is 100% my strategy when I play NFL Blitz on Nintendo 64 when I was ten years <laughs> old was like the quarterback throws it and I just switch to the DB that's around by the receiver and just take him out.
0: And just level take him out. Why not? For the Why ball. Not?
1: That's what it looked like. I never thought in a million years that I would actually see NFL Blitz come to life in real NFL football. <laughs> especially in 2019 with i mean you could take your pick targeting pass interference i mean in college football the guy wouldn't have i mean he would have been in the locker room three seconds after the play right they wouldn't wouldn't even review that (laughs) you just
0: gotta go like you're out
1: and they didn't even call anything
0: well i was looking around for like his hat on the ground like oh maybe he dropped his flag he threw his hat and then you know five ten seconds passed and i was like okay you know, like another five seconds pass, I'm like, oh, they're really not gonna call this. Like, they're just not gonna I, call anything.
1: They can't review it, so that's that'll be interesting to see if the league goes back and says, hey, you like, I don't know what y'all are looking at, but that's a flag. We're gonna call that one from New York City.
0: Yeah, so, but it, I I will say this, and you know, I I 100% agree. Like, it's clearly a penalty. I don't know how much Big Brother I want from the league, like. Because then you get into this gray area of what are they going to, you know, what's what's clear cut like they should overturn, you know, versus stepping on the officials that are actually refereeing the game. And I feel like you get into this real tedious area where some fan base is going to be pissed that you don't. I can overturn a call that that looks like it should get overturned, but the league doesn't 100 percent think that it's, you know, it's very obvious. So in that in that sense, I do I do agree, like, man, I hate it for the Saints. I wish the call was made right. But on the other end, I don't know how much I like more power I want to give the NFL to be able to to, for them to have the say on those calls. I do. But that's that's tough, whether it be
1: a challenge where allow the coach to challenge it. Right. It's really easy to do when it's a blatant call like that. So, well, nonetheless, L.A. comes out with a victory. Uh, They will be facing the New England Patriots, the team that never ages, the team that never goes away. They also win in overtime, beating uh, the Kansas City Chiefs on the road in frigid temperatures, Foxborough-like temperatures, 37-31 in overtime, in thrilling fashion, back and forth in the fourth quarter. Lots of points scored. This game was very slow to start, but then picked up very quick boy boy, did it (laughs) yeah uh where you had two quarterbacks you know on just completely different parts of their career you got Patrick Mahomes for Kansas City coming in his first year starting and just capping off an unbelievable season where he throws for 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns which you hear those numbers and you think Tom Brady you think Drew Brees you think Peyton Manning you don't think Patrick Mahomes and so then you got uh, on the other side of it Tom Brady who has a couple mistakes, some tough plays, but ends up the day thirty of forty six for three hundred forty eight yards and a touchdown with the two picks. But what's your initial reactions on the Patriots Chiefs also finishing in overtime?
0: First reaction is obviously like obviously the Patriots were gonna find a way to to pull this out. They were gonna find a way to win. Isn't that amazing? Like that it it's like what we talked about in episode one
1: with. With Alabama. With Alabama, yeah. We didn't see it in the national ch- championship game, but you expect it from teams like Alabama and New England where we even joked, I'm watching the game, and they kicked the field goal with eight seconds left. And we joked that, hey, man, eight seconds, that's too much for Tom Brady. You
0: just, and, and, and I mean you, you got the the Chiefs drive down. They score right before – or they're driving down. I mean it's right around the two-minute mark. I don't know about you, but I'm sitting in the house like, eh, maybe you toy with the idea of running a couple bogus plays. I, and I know you don't want to play with fire that close to the goal line, but well, in the you... back of your mind, you've got to be like, that guy across the field with three timeouts and almost a minute and 40 seconds, I He's... don't stand a chance. He's going to rip your heart out. He's going to, like 100%. I mean, that's just a test. Like, I, I personally – did not want the Patriots in the Super Bowl, but you got to respect it. Like, I mean, the, the guy is right. just incredible. And what, what way you want me to slice this pizza? I've done it every single way. I've been the offensive powerhouse guy and gotten my team to the Super Bowl. I've relied on the defense and gotten my team to the Super Bowl. Yep. I've been blown 18-0. people out. Yeah, right, I've blown people out and I've gotten to the Super Bowl and I've had last minute drives and I got to the Super Bowl. Like, however, however way you want to deal me this hand, I'm going to make sure that I come out on top. And I mean, you got to respect that. Yeah. I thought on the other side of it, Patty Mahomes,
1: man, he's for real. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He's for real. A lot of people said, you know, big game, the chiefs lost their, their three biggest games in the regular season. And they kind of said, well, you can't put Patrick Mahomes as the MVP. If Tom Brady doesn't score at the end of the game and Patrick Mahomes leads the game winning drive where he throws that deep ball where the new England had the offsides, penalty with and then with 16 17 seconds left and then they go and get that field goal i mean if they if kansas city ends up winning this game you gotta think this guy's gonna be the mvp yeah and just for the what have you done for me lately factor i mean this kid's incredible he goes for 295 three touchdowns no picks in frigid temperatures tom brady's making mistakes in the red zone getting balls tipped and throwing picks i mean it just and the kid has got Ice in his veins, as cold Uh, as the Kansas City temperatures.
0: You left out the best stat. It's his second playoff game. Yeah, like the kid's incredible. And and I mean, you read those stats, and I and you know, two ninety five and three touchdowns, and that sounds like a great game. You got to take into account his first half was atrocious, right? So all those stats were second half stats. Like he had zero incredible. That's incredible.
1: They put up in one half 31 points against New England.
0: <laughs> That's incredible.
1: That's on pace for 62. Like Andy Reid, a lot of credit to him, uh, really had some great play calls. The the play where they clear out the left side of the field, and then they run the screen back to it. Oh,
0: and, yeah. 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 That was it. That was a hell of a play. Right.
1: And uh, he walks into the end zone uh, for the touchdown. That's a hell
0: of a play call by uh, Andy Reid. I'll say this, and – I thought it in like in real time when I was watching the game and everybody's gonna say hindsight, but I thought it during the game and it ended up coming into play. Mahomes is driving. I think there's probably around three ish minutes to go before half. And they they had just hit that big throw to Tariq Hill and they were down they were down inside the red zone. And on the third down, Mahomes takes like a fourteen yardish sack. And they get knocked out of field goal range and they end up having to punt. They punt the ball to Tom Brady, and Brady drives downfield and not only gets him into field goal range, but then throws the touchdown pass right before halftime to make it yep. 14-0. I mean, yeah. That's a big swing right there. And if, that was the if, that was the long one to Dorsett, Philip right. Dorsett, right? Yeah. Yeah. And i again, I know hindsight, but if you put three points on the board there for Kansas City, even if the Patriots come back and craft up some sort of drive it's 14-3 you win the game and it doesn't go into overtime if everything plays out at face value the rest of the game yeah. or if you don't put up points there but you hold the Patriots to three or no points you win the game if everything holds at face value so I mean that was a huge three minutes right there uh, at the end of the at the end of the half
1: yeah so you got after that Patriots leading at halftime 14 to zero and then the Kansas City Chiefs take all of two minutes and four seconds. <laughs> <laughs> to get Travis Kelsey into the ball game with a 12-yard touchdown pass, make it 14-7. New England bounces back about eight minutes later with a Steven Guskowski field goal, make it 17-7 going into the fourth quarter. And truly, this is where the magic happens because we've got one, two, three, four, five lead changes in the fourth quarter. And your boy Damian Williams for Kansas City. He came to play in the fourth quarter. He's got a he's got two touchdown catches and a touchdown
0: run in the fourth quarter. In the fourth quarter. Just I by mean, himself. there were some just amazing plays just on both sides, but just big like not necessarily your huge name guys. Now, granted, the Patriots don't have any huge name like Gronk maybe, but I mean Gronk wasn't the one that was really like stepping up and making these incredible plays. I mean They just big
1: guys. It's amazing yeah. they, they're guys like you. They're not superstars, but you say I mean, Gronk is a household name for the most part. Yeah. You know what I mean? You tell me like at the beginning of the season, you say Damian Williams. I'm like, mean? Um, right. you know but you say Gronk. I know who exactly who you're talking about, but Gronk, you've got uh, Edelman. No. You've got Hogan. You've got their guys and right. James White. James Rex White, Burkhead, Rex Burkhead. I mean, just guys that are back in the yeah, but Sony Michel, you could say is a – I mean, he's a backup. He's a, he's, he one of those are the starter. Sure, but like in college, you got Nick Chubb was the guy. Right. You know what I mean? And then right. Sony Michel was like the, the lightning to to Nick Chubb's thunder, but I mean, they just take their guys, and
0: they win. I mean, it worked, yeah. I mean, and arguably – I mean, if you put aside the legal troubles that he goes through and just look at his production – Josh Gordon is a top 15 receiver yeah. when he when he's playing. I don't, I don't think he'll ever play again. He may not, but he, they have him on their team and yeah. he's not playing in this game and they're still they're still going to the Super Bowl. Right. That's incredible. That's incredible.
1: Yeah. Especially for the, where they were defensively in the first 8 weeks of the year. And I think I think the last 8 weeks of the season, they're top 10 defense. Yeah, just to show that just they get their guys that they'll get them coached up. The guys believe in the system, what they're doing, they'll make adjustments, they'll figure it out. It almost like it takes time for them to put these adjustments in and get successful at them so that they're peaking at the end of the year. And obviously, when you got the guy in the center that you have, he's going to make your job a lot easier. That's that safety blanket.
0: Oh, yeah. And now we talk, you know, we talked about it with Saban, but Belichick does it, too. Like he loses his coordinators. He loses his coaches. And he finds a way with whoever's, you know, calling plays, whoever's shooting signals. Like he finds a way to get it done. Now, oh. that, of course, it's got a lot to do with the guy on the field. Like I, I'll be my own. I mean, because Romo brought it up a number of times. Like I think um, it was, was it the fourth? I, I believe it was a fourth down call, but he checks out of the play call and they run like, a run run right to Sonny Michelle and he just skates for like a 13 yard touchdown run. And it's like that's all Tom Brady just seeing what the defense yeah. is doing and getting you into the right play.
1: Well Bill Belichick is going to be the mastermind of the defense. And they can filter in through guys through there. But he's been there long enough that he's going to take care of the defense. They're very fortunate that Josh McDaniels has been around for as long as he has. Because right. he could take he could have taken the Colts job last year and he decided to stay. And so you have well, essentially well, he he took it. And yeah, that's true. That's to true. say. <laughs> so you, you essentially have a head coach as your coordinator, which is always a nice thing to have. By the way, Josh McDaniels. You know where Josh McDaniels from? Ohio. Ohio. Barberton, Ohio. Uh, like I said, all the good coaches, man, they come from Ohio. You knew who else is from Barberton, Ohio?
0: Nope. Woody Hayes. Really? Hmm. There's my unconscious. No need for ever in my life. Ohio facts of the day. Yep. Oh, oh I remember on Final Jeopardy. Wow. Yeah, I mean,
1: so yeah. we need to we need to adjust this. I'm sorry because he's not. Woody Hayes is not from. This is this is a crime as a Buckeye fan. Bo Schimbeckler is from Barberton, Ohio. Ah.
0: Yeah. So shame on me for messing that up. Yep. You would have cost me a lot of money if I was on Jeopardy or on uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, and I phoned you for right. this answer. Man, I, I would, I'd have hung up. You'd be like, oh. Sh-. I'd be, I'd be real mad. Hey, do you know where Bill Belichick's from? I do not.
1: I'll give you two guesses. Where's Bill Belichick from? Bill Belichick.
0: I'll give you a hint. He's not from Ohio. I was going to guess California or Pennsylvania.
1: He is from Nashville, Tennessee. Really? Yep. Who would have fuck it? I would never have guessed in my life. He was actually raised in Annapolis, Maryland.
0: Okay, closer. Uh, He was born in Nashville, Tennessee. (laughs) We talked about age yesterday. He's 66. So right there with uh, younger than Satan. And he looks like the 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 Sith Lord over there on the sidelines with the hoodie right there. First of all, let's uh, props to Belichick, because if I was a coach, I would 100 percent rock the I took scissors to this uh hoodie and cut the sleeves off. Like he has enough money and enough resources where he could easily just get a hemmed, clean uh Patriots hoodie to coach him, but he's like, "No, no, 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 no. I'm going to do this like real blue-collar style. Cut the sleeves myself." They're not going to the, the edges are going to be ruffled yep. and not straight. And like because because he, does, he doesn't
1: dress that way. Like in interviews, he's like wearing like khakis and a belt and the buttons up tucked in. Like he doesn't dress that way. Just for the games. I appreciate it. Whatever
0: gets the job done, Comfort I like think is
1: key. I like it. Patrick Mahomes leads Kansas City down after uh, Sony Michelle runs for the 10 yard run with 3:32 left in the fourth quarter. In a minute and 29 seconds, Kansas City answers with the Damian Williams two yard run. And at this point, it's 2:03, and you're thinking that's too much time because Tom Brady is going to lead them back. But the thing that really irks me, and maybe it will be a play that gets lost on uh, the average viewer. Was, in my opinion, the phantom roughing the passer call, where a Patriots fan tonight tried to argue, "Well, technically, you're not allowed to touch the guy in the face." And I'm saying, that's where we are in 2019, where we can say, "Mr. Referee, he grazed my helmet. That's a pass. That's a roughing the passer call. That keeps the drive going along." Patriots go down and score with 39 seconds left, and ultimately uh, win the
0: game. Listen, so. I watch. It was the the first. It was the first game of what is it? 2017, I believe. That season, it was a Super Bowl rematch: the Panthers and the Broncos. And I watched Cam Newton almost get beheaded oh. multiple times, and only get one flag that game. And I'm I'm almost certain he took three helmet to helmet collisions and did not get flagged and for that to be the call is just again we talked about it for the Saints Rams game but you just can't have that bad of a of a phantom call at this stage and i talk about it a lot in basketball cuz i feel like college referees are they're declining in their in the in how good they are officiating but the thing that pisses me off the most about their officiating is I think they they assume what they see rather than calling what actually happened. Right. They, they look at the end effects and say, oh, well, that's got to be a charge. Or, that's got to be an offensive foul because this guy was moving one direction and the other guy fell down. Or it's got to be a foul because the ball came out and this guy reached in. When actually, like, I feel that you should, especially in calls – very, very judgmental calls like P.I. holding illegal hands to the face, like, you have to see Tom Brady get hit in the face to make that call. There's, there is no in-between. You can't look and be like, ooh, it it looked like he was going to hit him in the face, or it looked like he was close, so I'm going to throw it. Like, you just can't do that. Not in that situation.
1: Oh, yeah, and then, I mean, meanwhile, you got you got Lewis from New Orleans just getting just obliterated in a pass, and there's no call, and a defensive lineman for Kansas City's left pinky right pinky fingernail touches Tom Brady's face mask, maybe, and they get the the 15 yard penalty. I mean it just it doesn't add up.
0: It's so, it's rough. Yeah. So I did want to touch on one thing for the game and it was it was something that, you know, we talk a lot just off wax on just football in general, but it's one thing that we always discuss and it's third downs you in order to be a good team and you know move into that great team status, you gotta be good on third downs, offensively and defensively. The goal on offense is to get yourself in third and manageables and the goal on defense is to get off the field.
1: No, third but down's the, the the money down.
0: The money down. Yeah. It's where you're my been, you My know? God. Like the Chiefs just just could not get a stop on third down. And the roughest was during the was during the overtime period period where You get 3rd and 9, and they go to Edelman across the middle for about 15, 16. You get 3rd and 10, and they go to Edelman again across the middle for 12. You get 3rd and 10, and they go to Gronk on a slant route for 12. Like, you have three third and longs, and one, which was a glaring obvious thing, you got no pressure because Tom Brady wasn't sacked at all. Yeah, but— You're mentioning
1: it right now is that is a testament to how good Tom Brady is, where he knows exactly where to go with the ball to dissect you, pre-snap what you're doing, and knowing who to go with the ball. And it's a credit to the guys like Edelman who almost blew the game with the right. botched punt, then really almost blew the game because he tips the the pass that gets intercepted. And so then he comes back and has those two catches. And so that's a credit – I mean, yeah, you'd like to say, you know, we want to put pressure on him like 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 uh, the Chargers did. The L.A. Chargers did the week before. They just couldn't get to him. The ball's out too quick.
0: I agree. But to my I guess my thing here is like you can't somebody of Tom Brady's elite status, like you can't give him if you're not going to get pressure, you damn sure can't give him the same looks. That's true. They bring man to man. And it was the most blatantly obvious setup that they were running man-to-man. Right. And it's like give them something different or call timeout. you got yeah. timeouts. If, I, if you pick up two straight third downs, at least call timeout before that final third and ten. And get your defense into a play that you feel gives you the best amount of success. Right, because your back's up against the wall. When they're going
1: completion after completion, up-tempo, they're not going right. to model. It kind of makes you vanilla on defense. I get it.
0: And I just, I thought that was a big thing there. And again, it's, it's easy to say, oh, do this, do that. Like, yep, you're still playing arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. So, I mean, it's not like, it's just that if it's that easy, everybody would do it. But you would just hope that at that point in time in the game that you could make an adjustment and get one stop to give your, to give your guy a chance. Now, New England's probably, even if they get a stop there, New England probably gets a field goal, but at least you give your guy a chance to see the field. Right. Which kind of branches into another question that I have for you. How do you feel about the NFL or overtime rules?
1: I like that they changed it, but I still think – I still think they need to change it to just play the quarter. Just play the whole quarter. Just play the whole quarter. Just like hockey. Uh, Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. Not like hockey. Like basketball. Play the whole whole quarter. I think hockey needs to play the whole quarter because in hockey especially, you you send one towards the net – It ricochets in, bounces luckily off someone's skate, you score. That's a hell of a way to lose a game off luck. Don't like that. Um, I think soccer's bullshit as well because, you know, the penalty kicks, they're almost uh, undefendable. And so I think just play the quarter. Just play the whole quarter. I get soccer, it's really hard to score goals. Right. And I get hockey can be really hard to score goals. But, like, at least hockey, they play the overtime and then they'll go to the shootout if there's no, if there's still a tie. But just play it. Just play it. Just play the whole quarter. It's
0: as a fan, as, as a football player, I understand it. It's you would hope that the NFL's thought process for this is we're trying to minimize the length of overtime games to also minimize the amount of injuries that could occur by tacking on additional time outside of a six-minute ball game. Make the quarter eight minutes. I don't care. You know what I mean? But just. I, I get that. But it, as a fan, it sucks because you're like, oh, these, these, the legend and this young up-and-comer were just duking it out. And to not see the New other guy one get one a chance,
1: it comes to down not see to, the other it, guy
0: get a chance sucks. Yeah,
1: it comes down to somebody picked heads or tails correctly.
0: Which um, – okay, here's my question for you. If you're a captain and you're calling the to coin toss, what's your go-to?
1: Tails never fails.
0: Uh, that's just not right. Tails never fails. <laughs> I'm a heads guy. I always go heads, which I'd have been in trouble today, but uh, I always go heads. Yep.
1: So, well, it'll be interesting to see. I thought overall they were great games. Uh, yeah. Just blessed as a fan, as a, having a non-rooting interest. These None of these four teams are do I feel passionate about. But just blessed as a fan to get two incredible games. I mean, the best theater you could actually dream up. Two overtime games against the four best teams in the NFL. You got players making plays, you got controversy, you got it all. And we haven't even talked about Greg Zerline from LA Rams,
0: <laughs> fifty-seven
1: yarder to win. I granted it's in a dome, but man.
0: Listen, that's, the Super Bowl is in a dome in Atlanta. If they need a sixty-five yard kick to win the game, I I honestly believe. He's got easily the leg for it because that, that was kick good. he hit today, that kick was easily good from 65. Easily good from 70. It was unbelievable. kick <laughs> was incredible. Unbelievable. Like, so just, pop, props to Greg
1: Zerline um, for the big kick. Congratulations, LA. Congratulations, New England. You guys better bring it in two weeks because we're expecting a great game, a great Super Bowl matchup. And we'll break, we'll break that down in the future. But uh, for now – Let's get to our Mount Rushmore segment. This week, our Mount Rushmore segment, in homage to the playoffs coming to an end, we are going to go our top NFL playoff Moments, not including Super Bowl, because the Super Bowl, in its own right, is an animal all in itself. But just the playoffs in general, meaning the wild card, the divisional round, and the conference championship. So, you want to take the lead? Your top four playoff moments in the history of the NFL.
0: Yeah, and I am. Yeah, I'll take the lead. I was going to say that I'm very much a a person of the moment. So these are all relatively. 2000s and or almost 2000 and after but um i'll go with him my first one tebow to demarius really that yes. was in my
1: that's that's in my honorable mention
0: tebow to demarius i mean for for all the reasons of oh he, he he's not an nfl quarterback look at his wind up uh he doesn't have touch like whatever say what you want to say about him the guy wins football games and for nobody to give them a chance against the Steelers and him just throwing just an absolute dive and hitting Demarius Thomas in stride. And then Demarius Thomas throwing one stiff arm and just turning on the burners to which I enjoy thoroughly any Steelers loss. That one had to be on the list for me. My other one was Beastquake because I, love it. I like I, uh, the name. Listen, if you know me, you know, I. It, the day we interviewed Marshawn Lynch for this podcast is the day I probably put in my two weeks and stop like anything else because that dude's just awesome and I remember I was sitting in my grandmother's house in Alabama he rips off that run and I'm in the back room just yelling okay oh, you know I just thought about this too I'm sorry saints like this is just salt in the wound again but he uh <laughs> he breaks off that run and I'm just yelling and I just remember my dad being like why, why are you being so loud right now? And I'm like, yo, y'all didn't just see this run. Like, just come look at it and just to watch the replay. Like that run never gets old. And the way he just mushes people and runs over people, it's just awesome. And then plus the this... cult phenomenon, like the YouTube videos afterwards, <laughs> the whole minute, like <laughs> <it's> unbelievable. <laughs> so that one had to make it. My next one hurts my heart, but it's got to go on there just because of like it's end up being very significant, but the Seahawks onside kick against the Packers a couple of years ago. Yeah, that's um, game. Green Bay to my same point that I made about the Saints. They left a ton of points on the board early. They get an interception late against Russell Wilson. They got a chance to close the game out, and you get a miscommunication on the onside kick where your tight end doesn't go block and leaves the kick for Jordy Nelson, who's coming in on the ball, but your tight end just forgets where he is and he tries to back up and catch it, takes it off the shoulder pad. The Seahawks get it and they end up scoring and then scoring in overtime to win. Like if, if it comes down and, and people argue all the time, Aaron Rodgers is probably one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever live. But if he finishes his career with one Super Bowl, I just don't think you can put him in that conversation. And you may end up looking back on that play and just being like, that was a huge play in the, you know, in the legacy conversation of Aaron Rodgers. Right. And then my fourth one was the Music City Miracle. I mean, it's it's got to be on there. Just the significance of the play, being from Tennessee, like Steve McNair, Frank Wachek, like the, just a great late 90s, early 2000 Titans teams. And that play just, you didn't, I mean, you just didn't see those type of just dramatic kickoff return plays, especially like in this way, but I mean, you just, I've seen the play probably 100 times in my life and it's still awesome to watch. And I I I know me growing up like my high school team ran it, my middle school team ran it. I had teams running against us like everybody tried to mimic that play cuz it was such a great play. And I just thought it was I thought it was awesome.
1: Yeah. That's that list is going to be very similar to mine. Obviously, us two growing up in the same time frame. You know the 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 quake? Like that's like a JFK moment. You know, when JFK got shot, Beastquake is you know, like un- I know, exa- I know exactly where I was when that happened. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And oh, so yeah. on my list, I've got number four. I put the maculate reception on there. I think that is just the most unbelievable play. When you sit down and you think about what's going on and, la- you know, it's what year is it? 1972. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people aren't Steelers fans. I'm not a Steelers fan at all. But it's fourth and ten. There's a minute and seventeen seconds left. You know, you're you're just all hope is lost. <laughs> and so you Terry Bradshaw throws a pass. It gets you know Jack Tatum, you know former Buckeye, blows up the play, and then Franco Harris comes up and catches it, takes it to the house. I mean, that just to me is one of the most unbelievable plays of all time. I don't hate it. I don't hate it at all. Uh, I that his, from a historical uh, standpoint. I would say that's like my, my homage to historical NFL moments. Uh, number three, I'll put Beast Quake as well. I was, sitting, I was sitting yeah, I was sitting at my brother's house. I could tell you like the chair that we were in that I was sitting in and just could not believe that he was still running. Like it's like, oh, okay, this guy's gonna no, okay, well, this guy's going to – Okay, well, this guy's gonna get him. And it just nobody could bring him down. And what's lost in that game is it's in the wild card round? And the sure. Saints like Super Bowl contenders and the the this is when the NFC West was terrible. And right. this is, I think, the first time ever that a playoff team with a losing record is in. Now, the Seattle Seahawks are seven and nine. And they end up winning that game 41 to 36 against the eleven and five um, New Orleans Saints. For those of you who don't know or realize this, but the play's name comes from Marshawn Lynch's nickname, Beast Mode. But the fact that during and after the play, the Seattle fans jumping up and down in celebration was so intense that it registered on the seismograph on the Richter scale is why it's nicknamed beastquake because the run was so incredible that it registered as an earthquake.
0: So Is that that to is me? Is that probably the best run you ever saw like uh, yeah. in an in NFL game?
1: Probably, probably. Yeah, I'd say that's probably the most impressive run I've ever seen. There's to me like the Steve Young against the Vikings. Do you remember that one? I gosh, I can't remember what game it is. I think it's in the playoffs. Maybe it's in the regular season, but he's scrambling and like he falls into the end zone because he's so tired, but he's scrambling for like 50 yards. Um, that one comes up. Michael Vick's walk-off runner where he makes the two Vikings miss, and he goes for 171 in the game.
0: That one was pretty incredible.
1: <laughs> that, that probably is one of the greater runs of all time, but yeah, Beast Quake, probably number one. Um, okay, number two. I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast, but I'm a, I'm a 49ers fan. I grew up a 49ers fan. Even though I uh, was raised in Ohio, the Bengals sucked and the Browns didn't exist when I was young and choosing a team. So I picked the 49ers. And so my number two is the 1982 NFC Championship game where Joe Montana throws the ball as we formerly known it or know it as the catch. Ah,
0: okay.
1: Yep. To me, when I mean, it's just an iconic moment in NFL history is Joe Montana backing up and Ed Tutal Jones from the Dallas Cowboys is running at him. And he just out of nowhere, I don't know. I don't know how he sees him, but he throws the ball up and he throws the, the the touchdown to Dwight Clark. I don't know how I see him, but it's just an iconic moment in sports history. The 49ers end up winning 28 27 in what turns out to be a long rivalry with the 49ers and the Cowboys. But more importantly, it kind of ushers out the Dallas Cowboys, their dynasty from the 70s with Tom Landry. You know, they're kind of done with and, and Staubach, they're gone. And then Bill Walsh and the 49ers, Joe Montana. Really turned into the team of the 80s, win four Super Bowls. So that kind of – that to me is the pivotal moment in that, that era really kind of like shaped NFL history. So that's my number two. Number one is the most magical moment I've ever seen, and you had it on your list, was the Music City Miracle. That's
0: incredible. Yep,
1: and I – like you said, I know exactly where I was in my living room. I was a Titans fan because I played for the Titans as a kid, and Eddie George was a running back. And as a Buckeye fan, I loved Eddie George. But Isaac, I I remember the Buffalo Bills kicker makes the field goal, and my heart is just broken because I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, they, it's it's never gonna happen. You know, we got to return the kickoff for a touchdown. How many? Do you remember how many seconds are on the clock when he makes that field goal?
0: I don't. Let me look it up here while you're going. I will look it up. I'm looking it up.
1: It's oh, 16 seconds. So 16 seconds left on the clock, and then Lorenzo Neal. Catches the kickoff, hands it to Frank Wycheck, and Kevin Dyson's running down, and that guy's like, "There's no flex. He's got runners out in front." Yeah, and, all this stuff. <laughs> yep. and uh, so they end up winning. Tennessee Titans win twenty-two to sixteen, and then they kind of paves the way for them to. Um, I think they go to Indianapolis next, and they beat up on Peyton Manning, and then they go to the Super Bowl, um, which is big for them, only Super Bowl in Titans history. So those are my top four moments, my Mount Rushmore of NFL playoff moments.
0: Okay, I've got one for you. And you didn't, you didn't bring it up, but. Because you're a huge, because you're a huge 49ers fan, I'm just, I'm just gonna call you out on this. To um, eight, eight seconds to go, 27, 23. You're down to Green Bay, and the To, it's, oh, it's on my list, and he's crying. C- that one's incredible. In- I, had to, I
1: had to put, I didn't want to put two 49ers ones on there, and I had to put the catch on.
0: That was incredible. I mean, first of all, the throw is in a window of about five Green Bay Packers, oh. <laughs> and. That was that was still young Tebow – or I said Tebow. That was young Tio, and he catches that and, ball and, across the and middle. And, and Jerry he, Rice. He gets mollywhacked. Yeah, because but, he
1: had a bad game, and um, and he ends up catching that one, and he's in tears. What really – I mean, you could oh – gosh, we're just, just saints right now, but I can't remember if it's 2011 playoffs or 12 playoffs, but Vernon Davis catches one from Alex Smith. Mm-hmm. The same part of the field in the exact same manner at the end of the game, in between players, and Vernon Davis is crying as well. That, if you're a 49ers fan, that's probably in your Mount Rushmore of, of playoff moments. Gotta you know, be. That, that could be maybe a honorable mention. I also put an honorable mention, the Tebow 80-yard slant, uh, the 2002 NFC wild card between San Francisco and New York Giants. San Francisco is down by 24, 38-14, and they end up winning 39-38. Wow. And uh New York Giants end up messing up the field goal at the end and they don't get it off. Also put the nineteen ninety-eight Vikings versus Falcons. Falcons get sent to the Super Bowl. You got Randy Moss, Dante Culpepper, Chris Carter, all those guys. I think they're undefeated. And then
0: the, uh, Gary, the 15-1 15 one and Garrett Anderson.
1: Gary Anderson misses his first kick of the season, and they lose to I remember exactly where I was, and they were just like, Oh, this is automatic. They're gonna win. He hasn't missed a field goal, and then boom, he
0: misses it. 10-year-old A.J. will never, ever give give him or forget that game. A huge Randy Moss fan. So, for him, again, to get jipped out of Super Bowl is just uh, – it hurts my heart. Yeah, I had the Aaron Rodgers uh, tackle against the Bears, where he tackles Earl Lacker after a pick he throws. And Earl right. Lacker's going to walk into the end zone. And, and I think that's the same year the, the Packers end up going to win the Super Bowl. So, I mean, without that play, again, mm-hmm. we're talking about – Aaron Rodgers legacy but that was a huge play for me I just last year that Minnesota game like I didn't want to I didn't want to fall victim to just being like captured in the moment but that that play last year was I just remember uh we were in Chicago for my wife's birthday and we had came back took a nap and I had just woken up and was like oh man Saints got this one in the bag it was getting up to get dressed for dinner and I was like Oh, 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 no, oh, no. Oh, my oh, God. <laughs> just, yeah. just being like, this is terrible. That's terrible.
1: terrible. <laughs> Minneapolis Miracle.
0: Oh, man. Also, one of the greatest send-offs, too, because <laughs> Stefan Dix catches it, launches the ball, then tosses his helmet. Like, oh, it, it's great. Yeah. It's yeah. great. Yeah. So –
1: All right, that's about wraps up our uh, our episode, our special edition episode, AFC NFC Championship Game Recap. I know we just released one uh, yesterday, a couple days ago, but um, we wanted to uh, provide more content for you guys. We're going to refine our last segment of our podcast. We're going to end each episode with a segment called Overtime, a la Pardon the Interruption or any other show where we kind of just maybe touch on points – of college football, because this is a college football podcast, important topics that maybe we didn't get to, items that we would like to mention, but maybe not go into detail about because we just don't have the time, um, and just get quick hitter, one thoughts, opinions on before we send off, prepare for the next episode. So uh, let's get started with the overtime segment. I'm going to ask AJ, or give him some comments, ask him his opinion on some things, and then we'll send it off. So... Topic number one, Wisconsin mm-hmm. renews contract for Coach Paul Christ. Paul Christ entering his fifth season with the Badgers. Relatively disappointing season at 8-5 and five with a dominating win in the pinstripe bowl over Miami, 35-3. Mm-hmm. to three. But they're looking to get back on track to win the Big Ten West. They got Jonathan Taylor back. Um, he tops 2,000 yards, which I think is the 13th best season of all time. I want to know, what do you think is the ceiling for Wisconsin and Paul Christ?
0: I think their ceiling is probably the Rose Bowl. I, I just don't think they're ever gonna get over the hurdle to be a playoff team. But given the way that their their side of the division shakes out, they should be a team that's around that nine, ten win mark every year. They should be able to compete year in year out to be that side's representative in the um, in the Big Ten championship. And I think here and there they'll they'll sneak up and win a couple and and be in the the Rose Bowl. But I think that's their ceiling. Yeah. They got a true freshman quarterback that's highest-rated recruit they've ever had.
1: If they get a guy like Russell Wilson to come in mm-hmm. with their offensive line, they play good defense. They got Jonathan Taylor back. Who knows? All right. But all right, moving on. The president at Texas and Texas A&M are showing support and renewing their historic rivalry, where they are both saying it's a storied rivalry. We told our ads to figure out a plan and bring it to us. Mm -hmm. They want to get the game back together. They're old, former Big 12 foes before Texas A&M moves on to the SEC, and now they don't play each other. What's the rivalry do you want to see come back other than Texas, Texas A&M? Any other rivalries you want to see come back? For football,
0: I don't think there's any other rivalry outside Texas, Texas A&M that I want to see back. But I did think of one for college basketball. The world's a better place when Kentucky and Indiana play home-at-home uh, home series, or even just consider a neutral site, but two historic programs that have often played, you got to figure out a way to get that back on the schedule. Yeah. Neighboring states, too. Got to. Got to. Yep.
1: Uh, I mentioned earlier, I want to see the backyard brawl. West Virginia, Pittsburgh, those people okay. hate each other. They hate each other, <laughs> and they don't play each other anymore. So, all right, produced Rondell Moore last season was one of three true freshmen unanimous All-Americans, joining Herschel Walker mm. and Adrian Peterson. As only, Never heard of him. Yeah, those are yeah pretty good guys, pretty good. ESPN has Rondell Moore again on their two early All-American lists. I should say not again. He wasn't on it last year, but they have not pegged to be an All-American again this year. Do you think – secret's out on Rondell Moore? Do you think he'll make it happen again?
0: Ah, he's he's going to make it happen again. I mean you can, you can only do so much defensively. Um, to to try to double cover him, to try to give him different options, but especially with I, I believe Purdue's going to be trotting out a new quarterback this year, you've got to find a way to get your playmaker the ball, a la Randall Cobb after his first year with uh, Kentucky. Like you're just going to have to f- come up with new ways, and I think Brown can do that. Come up with you know new ways to get him the ball, but I fully expect, barring injuries, I fully expect him to finish the season on that All American list too.
1: Yeah, so. Purdue had two quarterbacks going into the year. Actually, Elijah Sindelar was okay. going to be their guy. Uh, David Blah got hurt last year, but he is coming back. He's been in the program for a while, also from Kentucky, Princeton, Kentucky. Yeah. I don't know where Princeton is. Do you know where Princeton is?
0: Nope. Don't have a clue.
1: So, <laughs> but nonetheless, he's a Kentucky guy with Rondell Moore. So it looks like they have some stability with Jeff Brom calling plays. I'm sure that he'll find ways to get Rondell Moore the ball in the special teams game, running the ball, obviously targeting him in the pass
0: game as well. Got so, a question for you. Yes, sir. Do you recall what you were doing on October 7th of 2007? October
1: 7th of 2007. Gosh, I was a
0: junior in high school.
1: I can't I can't remember. What's going on?
0: So I'll tell you what I was doing. I was probably out having a few waters because it was the off week of my season uh, as I prepped for the LSU game. But – what happened on October seventh, two thousand seven? Miami of Ohio, you know, they have a football program, but yeah. they played they played Kent State. You know, you didn't watch that game? No, I did not watch that game. Well, if you did, you might have seen that Miami of Ohio had a a nice little receiver that had three catches for thirty seven yards, his long being twenty three yards. Uh, that was Sean McVay. Wow. Yeah. Really. And they ended up winning twenty to thirteen. Kent State, their quarterback put up a nineteen for thirty three. It wasn't Julian Edelman, and, was it? For for two hundred and sixty yards, and also added ninety two yards rushing. Their quarterback was Julian Edelman. I, I, that is wild. <laughs> just a little tidbit there. That's, That's unbelievable. Incredible, like. That. And now
1: McVay going to coach against Edelman in the Super Bowl.
0: It's incredible how those those things work out. That's unbelievable.
1: And so, okay, that brings us to the final overtime point we've got la rams versus new england patriots initial thoughts actually initial prediction who you got
0: who's gonna win give me the rams
1: oh wow all right so you hear you heard it here first we've got the la rams as your super bowl champions we'll break it down next week um appreciate you guys listening you guys have a good night. Make sure you uh, rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Uh, give us a five stars if you like it. Please, if you think that uh, we can improve or anything, we can do better, please leave comments. Um, please, 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 Yeah, Follow us on social media at Peace of Mind 615 on Instagram and Twitter. Look forward to hearing from you guys. You guys have a good night.
0: See you.